0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a show where we talk about video games. We do this every couple of weeks. We pour through all of the news and information we have and try to find the nuggets of uh, analysis that are to be found in that torrent. I think that metaphor works for once. My, my name is Patrick Veja, and oh, hey, looky
1: there. It's mm. Scott Johnson. Looky Lou, it's Scott Johnson, and I like your I like your analogy. It's fine. It, whenever I'm getting a torrent of anything... My you like to look for nuggets or something? Yeah, looking for nuggets and morsels in my torrents. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: now you're starting to break it down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? We will soldier on. Uh We have a couple of uh, big topics, the Game Awards and the PlayStation Experience. Uh, they're both, I guess, 10 days old, but uh, there are still a couple of things I want to cover uh, on those topics. And then we have a, a little Flurry of uh, newslets from Star Citizen to Tekken 7 getting an unexpected character to System Shock making a return and a bunch of things. So um, let's dive right into it with the Game Awards, which are a show that is put together by Jeff Keighley, whom you hate uh, okay. Whose guts you hate, Scott? I do not hate his guts. Yeah, I, no, I know, I know. You've I actually said to me uh, before the show. This is a literal quote. Oh, hey, we're going to talk about the, that game award thing. I really hate Jeff Keeley's uh, guts. Are you saying <laughs> you didn't say those exact words? All right, yeah, maybe saying, I made them up.
1: But yeah, I'm saying you maybe. made those up entirely, <laughs> I have said this for the record, and I'll, and so I'll, I'll, I'll make the record clear. It's Jeff Keeley's kind of announcer man approach his his method or style of how he does an mc job on something isn't my favorite style to me it's 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 too old media and it kind of strikes me as less genuine but then there are times where he totally surprises me and breaks out of that that doesn't mean i don't like the guy though he's fine it's just not my jazz you know
0: And you know, I I understand what you mean because he's definitely kind of old media and we have to explain a little bit more what the Game Awards actually are. Um, They come from... He was doing the Spike TV's Game Awards and a bunch of things before that that were trying to establish themselves as the industry's awards ceremony in the same way that you have the Emmys and the, uh, the Academy Awards for the Oscars for cinema and things like that. And... I think in order to do that you do have to be a little bit uh industry-y to an extent and you have to appeal to a wide audience and you have to make a spectacle of it and the really interesting thing with the Game Awards is that he's doing this basically on his own meaning he doesn't have a big network behind him he doesn't have a big sponsor that is going to monetize the show in another way or who's going to make sure that the visibility they get out of it is worth the, the investment he's trying to pull this out of the ground on his own, meaning um, he is needing a lot of money from sponsors. And it shows in the the show itself. You have, I would say, I don't know, maybe half to two-thirds of it that are basically sponsored that become ads for you know you have the nvidia uh super moment where we're going to talk about this and you have the uh battlefront Hall uh, where people play battlefront and they say what they think and so that makes it a little bit awkward and a little bit tv show awards uh, e yeah. tv yeah tv award show e but um <laughs> But it's it's better than it was last year, right? What did you? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I think a lot better. Well, here's the here's the thing. I have come to I have come to terms with this award show in its current form in a way that I wasn't expecting to. So when it was on Spike, um, I didn't like the there was too much polish and not enough real like sort of I don't know. It felt like a big commercial, and then that's right. the 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 problem everyone levies against these shows. And while this new one isn't all that different in terms of its uh, actual announcement slash award versus commercial time is still kind of lousy, but I think I've come to the conclusion that there's no other way to get it paid for. Like who else is going to make it happen? You either need to be some billionaire who just loves video games and wants to make this like straight up award show (laughs) that does nothing but, but, uh, you know, quote unquote stays true to the, to the integrity of the medium, which is a, which is what
0: you'll do when you become a millionaire. But until (laughs) then,
1: until then, forget it. Um, You know, we're going to have to rely on corporate sponsorship. So, you know, it was obvious that EA had a big stake in pushing Battlefront. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff was just more obvious than other things in the awards. But then I also kind of realized award shows in general are nothing more than kind of elaborate advertisements. Promotional events, yeah. Yeah, they really are. Even the Oscars are just ways to get people to see these movies they haven't seen and, and to push the movie industry and to push stars out in front of people. And, like, it's that's what it is. So I've come to terms with that a little bit more. And I also have come... A lot further around to give I want I want to give a ton of respect to Keeley for pulling it off. It's clearly yeah, I
0: think that's the that's really something that might not be apparent for people who just are used to watch award show to watching awards shows. Yeah. And, and yeah, sorry, keep going.
1: I well it's just a ton I just know <laughs> Just making a podcast or running Nerdtacular or, or any kind of project that you put your guts and your soul into takes a ton of work, money you didn't think it was going to cost. Like, there's all these things that go into it, and he makes that look relatively easy. And I and so I'm I'm impressed with with what they've been able to do, knowing that this is an industry that re- is going to rely on industry dollars to make it work. If you want to have an award show at all, and I think his motives are pretty pure. I think he wants to make a good award show that people come away from entertain. They learn some things about new products coming out and they get to sort of root for games that they're interested in. That yeah. being said, I think the categories kind of sucked and I think the winners kind <laughs> of blew and like all those things, but those, well, that's an award show problem, not a Jeff Keeley problem or a game awards problem necessarily. It's just sort of the nature of award shows.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was better than last time. I, I have every confidence it's going to be better next time. It's still a very young thing. You know, Two twice is nothing for something like that to get the experience and, and get the ball rolling. So I think you have to know what to expect when you're watching it. But if you do, there, it, it was a, a good offering. So yeah, yeah I agree. Um, but uh, game of the year, The Witcher Three. Is, I I think that's uh, that's acceptable. I mean, it, it's not a very controversial choice, is it? This that's not the one you're unhappy about.
1: No, no, no. They're all up in. I mean, the, the category is was littered with other really great games. In fact, it's been a great year generally. There's some really solid experiences out there, and the fact that it was. I nominated. think it might be
0: the best year of video games we've seen in a long time.
1: It's yeah, I, I amazing would argue, all around. But are you not since like '98 have we seen a a year like this on the whole? Um, there's some holes in it though, like some problems with the the gear and gaming, like there often is. And as the industry gets bigger, it's easier to see those holes. But on the uh, uh, for the most part, it's been a really strong year, and it's hard to think of another year quite like it in recent memory. So I think that's good. And I think that game deserved it. There, there are plenty of other uh, games that you could have said, well, just as easily, yeah, Metal Gear 5 deserved it. Or, um, you know, even Possibly Batman. Batman, I, I loved it. but It was really good, yeah. I mean, there's lots of those kinds of games. But yeah. I think that probably given the, the this, you know, Fallout 4, one of my favorite games in the year. Have, having a blast, love Fallout. But I even I will admit, it's Fallout. Fallout-y as Fallout gets, right? It is Fallout game. <laughs> And it follows that pattern, and it's basically what we've been getting forever, and that's okay because we love it. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the rightful winner probably got what they deserved here, and, and clearly, Project Red put a lot of money and time and effort and talent into CD that. Products, yeah, yeah. yeah, or a CD project. What did I say? Project Red. Say Project Red, which is a totally different thing.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and it was, it was kind of heartwarming to see the, the Polish dude go up on stage and, and sort of do his little victory lap and, and speak in Polish for a little bit. It's, it's refreshing. Um, yeah. and there was a bunch of other, you know, interesting moments. There were a few reveals, not, nothing crazy. Uh, the Iwata tribute I thought was appropriate. It was nice. Uh, Telltale, uh, the Walking Dead, Michonne could get me interested back into that uh, that series. The Far Cry, Primal, Beastmaster revealed, the fact that you're going to be your biggest weapons are going to be beasts and yep. not just you know stones you throw at enemies because you're in the you know um, Stone Age.
1: Um, yeah. No, it's, those, a, those it's a it's a beastmaster's dream to play that game. It seems like I, yeah. I expected none of that. I thought we'd just be throwing spears at mammoths the entire game, exactly, yeah. and getting better and better mammoths. And I walked away from that preview going, "Ooh, I'm going to have you know Henry the Cat with me, and he's going to be a huge, <laughs> awesome saber tooth and all that."
0: Uh, industry icon, I think, uh, shining a light on Westwood Studios was was pretty interesting. Uh, their uh, lineage of you know with Dune and and Command and Conquer being, uh, the, the grandfather of all of the RTS games today, including, you know, Warcraft and Starcraft. And to an extent, you know, they're responsible for the MOBA genre as well. They was, they were acquired by EA in 98. Um, but yeah, so Brett Sperry and Lewis Castle, it's, it's people that, I uh, on my the French version of the show uh, my co-host said it's nice that we're not always systematically hammered with the Miyamoto's and Kojima's and all of those people who are you know perfectly obviously icons as well but shining a light on other people that might have become forgotten a little bit after 20 years of history of video game and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do for the next one next year.
1: I like that too because um, I agree with all of those sentiments. But also, I was really impressed with them picking um, people who arguably invented one of the more lucrative, interesting genres that is actually kind of on the wane. Like the RTSs yeah. in, their, in their in their forms are are kind of far, in, few and far between. If you look at MOBAs and say, "Well, that's the lineage," well, then that's yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. But but in, but in a lot of ways, we're looking at a dying genre that they helmed, and they still. Saw how important that was. They still see how that led to so many other things, mm. and not just in RTSs, but other games using, you know, it's a bit like Call of Duty putting in progression mechanics from RPGs, basically, in the first or in Call of Duty uh, four yeah. and blowing everyone's mind with that change. In a lot of ways, top down RP, RPGs and RTSs yeah. have borrowed so heavily from what those guys established that now it's leaking into our shooters and into our, you know, uh, mobile games and experiences. I mean, I, I don't know that we would have the robust sort of um, Clash of Clans mobile gluttony out there if it wasn't for the ground laid by these guys. So it was it was really nice to see these otherwise obscure names get get mentioned and talked yeah. about. That was pretty cool.
0: And then we do have to talk about the Konami controversy. Uh, just to summarize it really quickly, Kojima. I mean. Metal Gear Solid Five uh, got the award for what was it? I can't even remember. They got the best action adventure game, and yep. uh, it was uh, Jack Bauer who came and uh, got it. I'm sorry, um, Kiefer Sutherland. I seriously, <laughs> I always forget his name. Um, he came and, and and received it on behalf of Kojima, and um, Jeff Keeley then explained why could, Kojima couldn't be there, and he basically took uh, Konami to task because their lawyers said that he couldn't come to, to the US to get it. And uh, on paper, he is still a an employee of Konami, so they can do whatever the hell they want and they can prevent him from going there. I think they are probably doing this half... It's it's possible it's kind of half a, a, out of spite for their the way their relationship has gone and also because they want to have the name of Konami associated with uh, Metal Gear Solid if they want to renew the, their interest in the franchise in the future. Um And still, I, I think it was a really low blow and a scummy move. And I would be curious... Scott, would you have a way of convincing me that it wasn't just scummy and they had a, a legitimate reason and and uh
1: reasoning behind this, or is I, it just Well, I have two minds on this okay um, One is yes, it's a scummy move, and it's a company that is going in, in a very weird direction. They are clearly getting out of the video games business. No matter how you look at this thing, that is what Konami is doing. They'll try to leverage IPs the best they can or whatever they're going to do, but they're not in the business anymore of making video games, they are in the business of canceling them and diminishing them. And moving- well, they're
0: doing pachinkos and mobile games and things that yeah. are very clearly betraying the the roots and the
1: players that have loved them for a long time. And I think that's why the the sentiment is so strong. But uh, I agree. Say goodbye, I think, say goodbye to all of your previous expectations around things like the Metal Gear series or things like Castlevania or a million other IPs that are going by the wayside. That That cancellation of that uh, Silent Hills game was super sad for me. Um, I have a lot of fondness for that series. So seeing them do this um, is frustrating on a lot of levels and having them just dive, you know, headstrong into where they're making money. And you can't blame a company for trying to put their money where they're, you know, where, put their time where their money's going to be made. And if Pachinko's where it's at, great. And, you know, putting aside all the accusations that the Yakuza has something to do with controlling Konami now <laughs> and all these conspiracies. Here's the bottom line for me is, yes, it was a scummy move. There's absolutely zero gain other than bad PR for them to block him from going, it's stu- stupid, silly. Unless unless they have some reason to believe that Kojima would get in the states and basically stand up and berate them on stage, and, and which he pres- wouldn't
0: do. They, they have lawyers, they have agreements. I mean, he hasn't spoken badly of Kojima uh, of Konami at this point, and I think they have contracts that are ironclad for that prevent him from doing so. That's why you know they, I, I, it, it's all speculation, but yeah. And and even on the PR side, it is, you know, I can understand they would like their name to be associated with it, but with the award and with Metal Gear Solid. But anyone, anyone has been talking about was Kojima from then on. It was a horrible move on every level.
1: I completely agree. It backfired. If they think it was smart to keep him in Japan and not do it, it backfired on them and it it looked bad for everybody. On the other hand, though, there is a bit of there's a little Jesusifying of Keely for Basically throwing Konami under the bus on live TV or in a live stream like that. And I'm not so sure that it was that difficult to do, given that there's not much to lose there. I mean, what you'd never I don't think you'd ever hear him do that uh, out loud to Blizzard, EA, Activision or anybody who's big in the business and is actively doing things it's a lot easier to get up there and kind of throw Konami under the bus because Konami's already on the bus. Like, they're already kind of going away. There's no. They reaper. have
0: a couple of wheels that have gone over them already, so you're yeah. like, you're just at that point, yeah.
1: They're not yeah. going to block you from all their new betas and the alphas of their hot new game properties. They're not going to say, Because they well, don't have any. They don't have any, so it's an easy thing to do. Now, it's a little... I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be pessimistic on it or say that whatever, but people are kind of acting like he's some sort of brave soul and this justice warrior and and you know I that's a little far-fetched in my opinion I think you're just talking about a company who is getting out of video games made a very poor choice I'm glad that they were upfront about it um, but there's but there's some aggrandizing going on and it's not his fault everyone else is doing it again this is a complaint against the internet not against Jeff Keeling yeah but so so the so bottom line is what he did was the right thing what Konami did was absolutely the wrong thing and all this served to do was make the legend of kojima bigger than ever <laughs> and there will come a day where whatever he does next the, it, guaranteed 50% more crowdfunding or whatever it is he got from the shot in the arm so i guess a uh, mission accomplished i don't uh, know t-
0: i don't know whose mission maybe kojima and konami did uh, get into an agreement that uh, konami would victimize kojima so that he would Get come out, you know, aggrandized out of this and could uh, rebound even better. Oh Obviously. You've uncovered, uncovered yeah. that. Tr- Oh my god! I'm I'm getting my uh, tinfoil hat uh, ready. Um, but yeah, about Kili, I completely agree. You know, it's funny. I basically made the same analysis on my, on the French show a week ago, and it's it's even more than just he doesn't risk anything by pushing Konami under the bus. It's by you know putting his hand on his heart and singing the praises of Kojima. He's kind of uh, making good, or you know. Becoming choosing choosing his side, and Kojima is, as you were saying, going to be doing more very soon. I mean, in mid 2016, he's going to announce a project for another, you know, uh, with another company or a crowdfunding, very possibly a crowdfunding with whatever Metal Gear, you know metal fear and uh or liquid fear or something and um and and obviously keely is going to want to have some kind of reveal at the next uh thing he does so i think it's it's pretty clear that this also plays into it however i mean if you're going to choose a side i think it was also it, it the complicated thing is i think it's both i'm sure it was heartfelt and advantageous from business standpoint so it's, it's the kind of thing where you can't really
1: win. You can't it, really win. And it's like some are going to accuse yeah, him of, oh, now exactly. he's, he's buddying up with Kojima. So whatever Kojima does now, Keely can't be an objective observer. He can't be yeah. trusted as but a journalist. You know, he,
0: he, he broke the uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 uh, thing two years ago with that Bobi Dick Studios where he revealed the thing with a video where. Do you remember that thing?
1: Yeah, kind of vaguely. Yeah, yeah. It was
0: it was basically Kojima in a makeup thing with bandages all over himself, and they were announcing the Phantom Pain, which was a game no one had heard about, and uh, you know very quickly people figured out it was Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, right. But anyway, so yeah, it's um, it's it's. I would I agree with what you're saying, and it, I agree that Keely would never have been that. Uh, uh, abrasive with ea or activision or a company like that obviously and and with reason with
1: reason it's not even absolutely with reason it's it's you can't you can't have i mean that but see this is where people have the problem in general with the whole award show in general and i understand their point of view i just don't know how else you do it but their problem with it is like well ea is paying for your your i justine spots in the middle of the show and and uh, they're doing that with you know on the back of trying to push Battlefront or whatever. You can't then in the next segment have Keely get up and go, and uh, we're very disappointed in EA for not allowing so and so to come to this thing. Like that would never conceivably yeah, exactly. happen, or else you wouldn't have gotten the deal in the first place. Yeah, and, so,
0: and even if you want to get super super negative, even the Iwata tribute, he's doing good with. I mean, it's it you. It was an excellent tribute. I think it was on point. It was perfect, but also. Uh, Nintendo was very present at the show. So, yeah, you know, they were. it's kind of... Anyway, I mean, obviously, he's not going to... In English, you say you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And in, in some other language, I'm sure people say you don't pee in the pot you drink from. <laughs> <or something.
1: laughs> what, what do you say in France? And what do you say? How do you say it in French? What's oh, the I
0: don't even... What's the expression in French?
1: when You have to have one. Like, you, you don't use the same guillotine twice or something <laughs> like that. <laughs>
0: That would make it very inefficient. You know, the guillotine was actually uh, running very night and day uh, when it was needed. So I don't think, although it would give work to guillotine makers, they're forgotten uh, nowadays. So
1: that poor industry
0: just totally hit a bubble and exploded. And where are they now? (laughs) <laughs> um. All right. PlayStation Experience. It was. It happened uh, the day after. I think. Um. There was a, a bunch of things that were shown. Um. There were some reveals. The last character in uh, Street Fighter Five, uh, Battleborn, was uh, shown in more details. Uh, it, it's basically a hero shooter. They w- really wanted you to know there's a solo campaign in that game because they're seeing every other hero shooter showing up and they want to make sure that people are interested in this one. I actually I was um, interested when when I saw it I, when I wasn't initially the single player campaign could could do it uh, confirmation that Yakuza uh, Zero is coming to PlayStation in the West uh, a lot of PlayStation VR some ridiculously stupid stuff like the uh, hundred foot. Robot Golf Watch oh, You have hell no idea.
1: That is my most excited announcement from the PSX. You're that is You're kidding me. No, that is the one I'm most interested in from a VR perspective because have, I'm telling you this is we and I are going to have a conversation after that's out and we both have been playing it and okay. we are going to both we are going to have to have another show and we're going to have to talk about this because my belief is the best VR experiences are going to be the ones that on first glance seem like goofy ideas and the ones well, that are like they uh, have kinda, that covered for sure. But the idea that you could be towering over a city, playing golf through that city, so that your course and your obstacles are cars and buildings and moving trucks and and all the things that happen is a work of genius. It is it fulfills a very specific childhood sort of fantasy of mine of being gigantic and it's gonna do it in a way that's You're already gigantic. You're like fifteen feet tall. Well, that would be horrible actually if that was true but but uh but you, but it's it's going to give me something to do that no other game can let me do right now and i'm yes. very excited about that game okay like genuinely not just even ironically i'm very excited about playing 100 foot robot golf so more than
0: ace combat 7 which is going to be a playstation vr exclusive yes more
1: than that okay now i'm sure All that'll right. be fine and i and i'll probably suck up as many vr experiences as i can early on but i don't you know, being in the cockpit of another plane or another ship or something, we're going to get plenty of those, trust me. That's true. But how many times can I be a giant robot trying to get par <laughs> on a course that's a city? It's amazing. I All right, like
0: fair enough. Uh, we. we also had the big hitters, uh, a, a video for Uncharted 4, which looks Oh my god, so incredible. I yeah. can't wait for that game. Um, the announcement that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be a complete, like a full remake. It's going to be completely different from the actual port, which is available now, by the way. Um, it's going to have an active combat system, which seems reminiscent of Final Fantasy 15s. Um no Kuni 2. If you've never seen a video, a, a trailer for Ninokuni, no Kuni, go watch it. Be amazed, and then seek out the Nino Kuni two trailer, which is basically it's a, um, a, a a Studio Ghibli movie that you can play, and it looks so freaking good. It is unbelievable. Have you been? Where are you at on you, first been game. Did you like the first game? So okay, that's the thing. It wasn't a great game. It,
1: <laughs> it just looked awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of all right so i I, i'll echo that statement and say while i played it there were moments of absolute utter joy and i couldn't believe how cool it was and then there were times where i was like oh overworld and these these fights (laughs) it's a japanese rpg yeah it is that so so if they came to me and said scott we're taking that world those characters that style that animation that ghibli stuff and we're going to apply some uh, some more sort of western rpg values to it i would be so into this announcement that i you could barely hold me back as it stands right now i need to wait and see what people say
0: so yeah i think you know i don't think it's going to be a good game and that's not my where my excitement lies my excitement lies more in the idea i think you know, if I remember correctly, when we were covering E3 a few months ago, you, you said something along the lines of, I can't believe that a game like Cuphead exists, that we have this <laughs> game, you know, the, this video games can now create graphics that are like those animations from, you know, the 30s that we can actually play. And that is the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and this does the same thing for me. Uh um, yeah. with Nino Kuni feel- two, it's it's so you know, it's the, the, the animations that I was watching twenty years ago that were so incredible and so amazing. And now we're actually playing that. It's kind of fulfill, fulfilling the fantasy of uh, uh uh you know, that that has been in the back of our minds for a long time. Now, yeah, yeah again, I don't think I'm not sure the game is gonna be to you know exciting to the level that the graphics are
1: yeah you're probably right and i'm i don't know i'm sad to, to admit that you're probably right but <laughs> but it was super cool that first game and the second game has potential so i will wait and see but if they tell me it's just another 70 hour rinse and repeat yeah. jrpg with the, the kind of those same trappings, then I'm probably not as checked in on that game as I'd, I'd like to All be. Right. But I, but I definitely would watch like playthroughs, and I would definitely be interested in where that story goes. I mean, the cutscenes alone are almost worth the time I spent with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a hell of a thing. We'll see how it goes. I don't, you know, again, they have to be true to its roots, or else whoever loved the first game aren't going to be happy.
0: Yeah, but uh, they could make it better. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, Paragon, that new MOBA by Epic, was also unveiled. It it piqued my interest a little bit more than the ridiculous uh, uh, stereotypical characters that were revealed in the teaser a week Mm -hmm. before. But uh, actually, it's a MOBA. It seems a third-person shooter or even first-person shooter-y. Kind of like Tribes, was it? Or no? um, Not Tribes.
1: Uh,
0: No, no, no. The the thing... um, Smite, there you go. Oh, Smite! Smite. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Um, so curious there as well. Uh, but definitely for me, the big thing was Uncharted Four. It looks what Naughty Dog does best yeah. is emotion in their in their movie. E- emotion, and you know, it's it's really narrative. It's storytelling and uh, fe- making you feel like you're playing that you know, weird mix of Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones thing. And yeah. it seems it, the, the way it looks and the way it feels it is, you know, it seems like they're doing more of that, uh, the last of us magic. And I can't, I'm admittedly a huge fan of the type of game. So, but I can't wait for it.
1: Yeah. I'm super jazzed. That looks awesome. Uh, you know, sad as I was to not have it by now. Cause originally it was planned for this month or actually last month, I guess we'd had it in November, um, I, I like that they 're taking their extra time with it it 's their last hurrah for that team i don 't think that 's the end of Uncharted, but i don't think that team at Naughty Dog will be doing another uncharted at least they 've said as much so give us give us one final amazing masterpiece and i am i'm all in and it. it also kind of you know ruins this little bit of a drought of you know the Laura Croft game not being on multi platforms for the first year and um, that 's frustrating to me because I think that that game needs to be in the hands of more people. Uh, oh, it's, I think it's, it's, it limits the appeal of that game because you know not everyone can get it, and I'm, you know. It's apparently, not. It. It,
0: it, uh, by the way, Tomb Raider is apparently not doing great. It's around two hundred thousand uh, sales, which, of course, it's only Xbox One, but uh, two hundred thousand, and uh, the first one was at six hundred thousand at that point, and it was considered a failure.
1: So, yeah just, i mean they got paid by microsoft for sure but uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah and there's no way they would have done this exclusivity thing without that deal but i'm really sad about to, to even hear that and i'd heard this too but i'm really sad to hear that news because by all accounts it's incredible like really really well done a better better game and a great sequel in every respect and to limit its availability like that frustrates me because it's based purely on sort of marketing moves and how do we position our thing? And I wouldn't turn down Microsoft money either if I were them. So it's not yeah. really a problem with them. I just, it's just the way this stuff goes sometimes. And artificial exclusivity rubs me the wrong way. All that being said, I'm sure it'll still be a great game when it hits PC and I can run it in, you know, full 60 frame glory. And It and doesn't
0: bother it. me that much. Um, it's it, it, The thing is, the thing that surprises me, I got, basically I got my Xbox One for that and the year is so incredible in games that I still haven't had time to really dive into it. I've played maybe five hours and Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, an argument could be said that it's not holding my interest enough that I want to play more. I'm definitely going to play it, but it's just there. It's the worst possible combination for that, for that game. And it's too bad because I thought the first one was amazing. And I'm sure this one is, uh, you know, is, is just as good, but maybe that's the problem. It's not, significantly better
1: yeah well it's not enough to drive me to buy an xbox one which is i think what they wanted it to do um they were they were hoping between you know the halo crowd and and you know people looking for more of an action adventure game were going to be the way that they would kind of close the gap this holiday season and i don't think it did it Um, yeah
0: i think they they made that deal at a time when things were a little bit different i mean the xbox one is not doing badly by in any way in any you know by any means but if people are going to be choosing between PlayStation 4 and Xbox 1 if there isn't already something that they really want on the Xbox 1 mm-hmm. the the momentum of the P- PS4 probably means pe- more people have a PS4 and and their friends have PS4s and and so Tomb Raider is not going to be enough of a, an incentive to
1: to change their choice so yeah.
0: Anyway,
1: it's... I agree with with that. It's it's a strange place to be for Microsoft. Sony, I hope, doesn't squander their, I think, kind of lucky lead that they have right now. And by the end of all this, it'll be very interesting to see if we see sort of a catch-up from Microsoft at the end of this cycle, the way we did with PS3 and 360, or if this huge gap continues to be a problem. I don't know. Honestly, I
0: I think... I think it's the the issue that Microsoft's going to have is the PlayStation VR. There's, let's say, a 50-50 chance that VR really takes off next year mm-hmm. and the year after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sony has their project there. And yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a, a selling point. It's going to be a factor. So that's why I think the playstation is going to keep their lead and uh, and possibly even increase it even though microsoft has been doing really well this year and they have some amazing games coming next year or games that look amazing um coming next year but i don't know i guess we'll see yep um tells what
1: I said, time tells all tales. It does tell all tales.
0: Uh, And you know what it also tells? It tells us that Star Citizen has reached $100 million in funding right at the time that the naysayers are being rebuffed by the Mm -hmm. release of the Alpha 2.0, where you can actually do a bunch of stuff. So... Thankfully, we're finally seeing some progress on development on Star Citizen, and uh, I guess you know the people who want to see it as horrible vaporware that is a you know py- pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. is, pyramid scheme is, is they're not going to be you know convinced by this, and those who are all in full on with C- Star Citizen are basically <laughs> uh, flipping the, the the bird to everyone else, saying, "See, told you it was real," and they're mm-hmm. having fun in their game. So. Yeah, it's, it's, a we- it's nice
1: I'm still. I'm. I'm still not entirely convinced that. That I mean, man, that game better be good. Like they've set themselves <laughs> up. They've done this amazing crowdfunding work, right? Like unprecedented uh, in terms of like scope and reach and interest and in all those things. I'm very interested in that game. At the same time, you've got games that are that have come at a much simpler way like Elite Dangerous, which is highly regarded. They just, they just added their, um, I forget what they call it, but their expansion where you can land on planets and Horizons stuff. Horizons or? Horizons, that's yeah. it. Hold on a second. Something just spilled. Ah, uh, Scott.
0: Uh, you know, I just tried uh, Elite Dangerous. I went on that, uh, that Steam sale uh, buying spree, and that was one of the games I got. Um, I'm not liking the Rebel Galaxy at all thing that you... you, uh, Really? Not at all? No, I don't know. It's got weird... It feels... I don't know. It feels weird. Um, But Elite Dangerous, I've just done, you know, a few of the training missions, and... It, it, there is a, a breadth of space that gets into you when you play that game. Um, it's it's different from Star Citizen though. Star Citizen is so ambitious; it it feels almost unattainable. But for what they're they're planning to do, a hundred million doesn't even seem like it's you know unreasonable at all. Um, I can't believe
1: I I've steered you wrong with the game I can't believe I told you to get a thing that you didn't like at all what what is it you didn't like about it I'm just curious
0: I don't know I just played it for 15 minutes and it didn't gel um but I'll have to try it again and tell you exactly what what happened with that rebel galaxy
1: I freaking loved it I mean I realize it's not so here's the thing I mean rebel it's a Gal- little bit too bare bones it feels you know well, the, the scope is definitely not the scope of those other those other games however I would actually argue my my experience with elite dangerous is that uh, it's got better scope than that because I've actually got a story to do. Uh, things seem to make more sense in terms of why am I doing this and who am I doing it with? Whereas Elite Dangerous is just a sort of a uh, lot of exploration, which is pretty cool, but not much else, like rinse and repeat kind of quests and there's nothing about them that really jumps out and makes me go, wow. So I, I'm, I what I really want, what I want Star Citizen to be is the perfect combination of simulation, but not too much of that, right? I don't want to be... Constantly worried about what flight stick I have and which pitch and yaw and all that BS. Give me a controller that works or <laughs> keyboard setup. That's what I want. Is I want to be able to play your game, not try to play your game. Okay? So you That's don't no- want
0: to spend uh, 15 minutes uh, aligning the landing pad perfectly every time you dock, is what you're saying?
1: Absolutely, do not want to do that ever in in my space simulation games. Um, now there are people that do though, and for them I would point them toward Elite Dangerous. It's a little more, it's a little more toward that play style. What I want is something that that is that is gameplay friendly and also looks insane and is huge in depth and all of that. Stardust Citizen has been promising this since the get go, but I am one of those absolutely, especially at this rate where we're now at one hundred million dollars and expectations are so high. I desperately want to know if the payoff is there or not
0: well the the alpha 2.0 looks like it's doing a lot of things you have a bunch of modules that you can go and explore there's a bunch of things you can do i think i mean we're obviously not there yet it's it's still very early stage but at least at least it's progressing and that was sorely needed for chris roberts and his company to to show that they're not just you know buying houses in the bahamas and and spending all the money uh,
1: that they're getting on that. So it does seem like they're making a video game to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people were really concerned about that. And anytime lots of money is involved in anything, there's always people freaking out and delays, but but this is video games. Sure. Welcome to the world of video games. And, and they know the expectations. Like if they've got that kind of money and it's still building up and they're still hitting milestones, they probably have pretty regular meetings where they're like, all right, well, we didn't expect to be at 80. So we need to talk about what that means. Are we going to add this? Are we going to do this or whatever? Um, but people who buy like twenty grand worth of fake ships and with real money and are that's how they're supporting this thing, I don't ever want to be in the same four mile radius as people like that because they terrify me <laughs> okay <laughs> it, they're they're scary that's weird to spend twenty thousand American dollars on a video game that doesn't exist yet for ships that aren't real. I just can't imagine that like that's fandom for nothing it's 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 like being a fan of a thing that my I,
0: I yeah, I agree, uh, but I have a friend who made in an eye op- opening description of uh Pinterest to me a few a few days ago a couple of weeks ago, he said Pinterest is a way of getting half the player the the pleasure of the purchase without actually purchasing anything, so you're collecting stuff, it feels like you're getting them, but you're not really but it doesn't matter you're getting part of the pleasure of it and i think the 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 buying the ships and all of this and and you know it's true in many other uh, avenues of our of our geeky lives um they're getting the pleasure from that and of course they want to play them once the game is available but they're they're and 20,000 is a lot of money but you know you get my meaning right well, it's if you co- have kind of money, collecting the things
1: if you've got money to just throw at things i guess i don't have you know, I don't know what I would say to them. I guess you've, you've got the money. I guess you can go ahead and do it. Um, it just, from my point of view, just seems so crazy. But whatever, they're getting what they're going to yeah. get. There's always the is the fringes. And if this makes it a better game, if all this extra money goes to that end. And we, great. All, and we all benefit from it. So. But don't you feel like at some point there's going to be some, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but there's going to be some, <laughs> some kind of like uproar. Like this isn't nearly what it oh, is. The said. uproar has
0: happened this year. People were pissed. And yeah. I think now they're, they're on the right track again. I hope so. But anyway, um, let's talk about Electronic Arts, an, an uncontroversial company. Actually, they're pretty good recently. Um, they are launching an esports division, and uh, Peter Moore is going to be uh, taking the helm of that division, and that's following Activision Blizzard uh, opening an esports department, uh, an actual third company for their... Uh, hold uh how do you call it uh, holding no i don't know what activision blizzard is it's a, a third part of the of the whole thing um which led me to to wonder if esports if something is happening in esports in 2016 and i i know that you know snarky people are gonna go uh, oh, esports has been happening for a long time patrick get your head out of your bottoms um <laughs> and and i know you know i watch twitch i'm not an idiot i'm just wondering if if there isn't something that's going that happening to a different level is is uh, those big companies are, seem to be getting involved in a big way and i'm wondering if this isn't going to bring it to uh even more i don't know something like taking it to the next level um, and I was listening to The Angry Chicken a couple of weeks ago, and, and they were saying, talking about where you go to watch esports. And I realized, I mean, I would be interested in esports. I would love to watch stuff, but there's no easy way. There's no highlight reel. There's no, um, you know, easy way of getting and seeing the tournaments that have been happening—it's all you have to seek it out on the replays on Twitch, and sometimes you there are specific sites and you find them on YouTube. It's horrible. There is yeah. no—it seems like a mess that is ripe for uh, adults to come in and and clean it up.
1: Yeah, it seems like a an ESPN style approach, which would cover live games as well as highlights, talk about upcoming tournaments, um, you know, footage from from other plays shows that then support the various games and talk about strategy, interview the players themselves, like that kind of arrangement that we already sort of have for a wide range of sports coverage. Uh, I think they would really benefit from that. The question is, is everything at a point now, are we at a critical mass where that can happen both financially and logistically? And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we're, we're seeing some of that stuff get started here with TBS doing their own esports show which starts soon
0: i don't think it has to go on tv you know that's
1: not it doesn't have to be tv at all could totally be internet but my point is like they've got to curate that stuff in a way even more so on the internet because they've got to say all right well we need to have a way for people to quickly get to all the highlights if they want to just yeah stuff
0: how is there not a weekly esports youtube show that you know half an hour to an hour shows all of the highlights what's been happening in the different esports and surely that there would be people to watch it and maybe, maybe there is one, maybe, but
1: I, maybe there I, is one. I don't know about it either. It's like if it, if there is one, they're not great about letting people know. Yeah, and exactly. Even if they did, let's assume that there is that, or that there's somebody thinking about doing that. There's a real challenge trying to convince a League of Legends player that he also needs to to sit through some content that deal with, uh, you know, Counter Strike global operations or something no but you
0: it would be a journalist type person a host you know that would it's not uh, i think there there would be people who are passionate about esports who could uh, uh, you know host a show a half an hour show to discuss all esports and not just league of legends
1: yeah no i agree with that i in fact i'm 100 percent with you i I, I just wonder if it doesn't exist yet i i'll bet there's I'll bet there's some things we're not thinking about in terms of yeah. how that audience is different. And maybe the only way to deal with that is let's say it's a YouTube channel, which affords you the ability to say, well, one whole playlist is nothing but our coverage of League of Legends matches and our live coverage or whatever. And this whole other channel is nothing but Counter Strike and this other <laughs> no, one's over.
0: But- what I want is to discover all of the amazing things happening in esports. I don't want to see just the League of Legends thing. I want to have one show that, that basically does for tech news or gaming news, uh, which we're doing for gaming news. You, you listen to the boob show or pixels or both and you know more or less everything that's happening. And same with, you know, a bunch of tech news shows. Why isn't there a, a specific, maybe it's not time to have something specialized enough yet that is a, a, a tech uh, i'm sorry an esports news show or i don't know and, and i, mean, I want to watch it i want to see it it's like if there was a uh, uh if i was interested in sports which is not the case
1: i don't care. It, seems, but, it seems like you could do it with a couple of guys exactly uh, with a little bit of experience some decent lighting and cameras and um, and some highlight reels and some, you know, daily news collection or weekly news collection. Like you could totally do it. I could see this being done, geez, even as a, you know, even as a podcast, a news a sports radio is a huge deal in the States. Like why this doesn't exist yet as a as a mainstream podcast. I don't know. And this
0: is what I mean when I'm saying I think some something might happen in 2016 because esports is big. I mean, it's big, not big. <laughs> uh, eSports is big for people who like eSports, who yeah. are passionate about eSports, who are going to go and watch all the finals and all the matches and all the championships for League of Legends or you know hearthstone or whatever. Yeah. It's not there's a huge population of gamers who could be interested in all of this but don't have easy access to it. so anyway, yeah. totally agree. Um, Overwatch is going to get all of its uh, heroes and and maps and game modes for free after launch. That was a big controversy or not controversy but a big unknown in the uh overwatch community people were wondering were asking blizzard if they were going to monetize those aspects of the game which would then split the community between the ones who did get them and those who didn't i for one was certain just as i was certain that the game was going to be free to play i was certain there was going to be monetization of heroes at least and uh, jeff kaplan has come out in a video in a, a developer video and said they will not be charging for the additional heroes they will patch into the game and same thing for the maps and and uh, and uh, modes game modes that was that blew my mind a little bit uh but i i guess it's a good thing um
1: i think it's a huge surprise i thought i i was kind of with you that there would be some dlc or character buying or uh, micro payments something 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 down the road like they they, they i just couldn't imagine that this was just going to be more like the old quake model or the old unreal model, which was like, here's the core game. It's all just for the price you pay. And then later we're going to add maps and modes and mutators and cool things. And you can have all that too. Like I thought those days were behind us. Um, that companies would just monetize everything always forever forward. And yeah. it seems to be not the case here, which I'm partially excited about that. But also i feel like I'm waiting for another shoe to drop because on the other hand, they've been doing some weird stuff in their games that are their free to play Oh,
0: right, Here we go. The vulture again.
1: I don't want to even get into it too detailed, but that Vulture thing was kind of a mess. Uh, yeah, they- it was It was a, a
0: miscalculation for sure. The the Vulture thing, it, we discussed it on The Instance last week, and um, I think it's pretty obvious that that was a a, a a mistake. It wasn't like they were thinking this is going to... I mean, it wasn't like they were thinking this is how it's going to play out and it's going to be great. Right. They, they thought it was going to be... Uh, play out a different way and when they realize this is how it is playing out they're like oh crap we have to fix this
1: yeah and they and they, and and i'm fine with you know everyone screws up or or has an idea that doesn't exactly hit the community right or whatever all those things are fine but just generally their pricing structure has been a little bit weird they they on the one hand have uh a Black Friday sale where all heroes and skins are 50% off. And then two days later when it was supposed to end, they said, and we're extending it almost all the way through December 18th or whatever it is. And and so then you're like, oh, well, I guess I rushed for nothing. Okay, fine. That's cool. People can get a deal for longer. And then they have a bundle that says last uh, or second chance deal. It's on some skins and you mounts. know what?
0: Yeah. I think this is very specific to heroes, uh, <laughs> heroes of the storm. <laughs> and totally- I think, I think that game might be struggling a little bit.
1: It might be um, we talked about this on core, my show about heroes of the storm. And, and that was one of the things I had put forward is that maybe they're, I mean, they're, they're clearly look, it's a crowded market. It's dominated by, by uh, league. And then to a lesser extent, Dota right behind it, but not really right behind it. There's a huge gap between those two games. Oh yeah. And, And then there's heroes trying to be third tier and that's hard to do. I think their expectations may have been a little high. And I think that they should probably start lowering those a little bit and let this thing grow more slowly and organically, rather than trying to sell prices into oblivion because it's getting weird. Hmm. Uh, the, the perception is weird, whether or not the facts on the ground are the same, I don't know. But the perception is all this price slashing, slashing second chance skin deals, and then and then saying, "Oh, I was actually gonna, we were going to put that on the store by itself anyway." And then I'm like, "Well, wait, I just spent eighteen bucks. Now you want me to?" you know, you told me I could have gotten her for five and you didn't, you know, like there's just a lot of weird hooky juky kind of, um, go, it's like going to Tijuana and trying to buy a, a purse. <laughs> like you can't just go in <laughs> and buy a purse. I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, juked and jived the whole time. So yeah, I don't know what that's about and I don't know why it's happening exactly, but I know that I love that game and I know that it has a, it has a growing base and they have the best chance of anyone in this business to be a third important MOBA. They sure. really do. But it may not be reaching what they think they need to reach. And I don't, I don't know what that means long term. Well,
0: I've been playing Abathur a little bit. I'm enjoying that. Nice. Just, yeah. That's um, which I got during the sale, by the way. I bought him. But um, oh, good. back to Overwatch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, Heroes and Maps free. Awesome. Everyone's happy. The beta is, is over and my life feels empty and hollow. And uh, I can't wait until it's back.
1: You're telling me but it is interesting that in these announcements at PSX and also at the Game Awards, it's interesting to start to see how many other games are priming themselves to be Overwatch competitors and alternatives. And I would even say that that new thing from Epic, even though it's more purely a MOBA, is very rooted in the heroes sort of thing. Uh, Or sorry, not heroes, um, the Overwatch sort of thing. And even though, you know, what's the other one? Um, Paladins? uh paladins or battleborn or battleborn or yeah the the one from the battle there from the yeah from those guys that is so hero or it's so gearbox. Overwatch. gearbox and when i saw these games in their earlier alpha stages they looked nothing like overwatch they all suddenly look like overwatch <laughs> in the aftermath of overwatch being playable and i think that's kind of interesting
0: yeah i don't know if they have the i don't know if they have the you know the 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 time development wise to
1: switch gears that quickly but uh Battleborn's I mean, suspicious to me. Just a yeah. little suspicious, that's all.
0: Maybe. Um, I think, you know, it, it did look kind of quirky in that way before, and we've seen it. We've been seeing it for a while. Uh, but I, I, I've played Paladins, and uh, thanks to the uh, person who got me into the beta, by the way, uh, that was very, very kind of you. And... Paladins which is uh the game from hi res which by uh, is uh, they're the ones who made Smite. So they have experience with MOBAs and on paper it might seem like it's kind of the same space as Overwatch but having played it I played for I don't know I guess 5 hours 3 to 5 hours something like that. So I'm not an expert but I have a little it's bit a of experience.
1: Yeah, that's enough yeah. time to to make a pretty good call.
0: Yeah, and It is so far, so far from Overwatch in terms of accessibility. And it's much closer to the MOBA model. You have a a base that you're defending and you go to a point and the point uh, you fight for control. And then it spawns a uh, a payload that goes to your base and destroy to the enemy's base and destroys their walls. And there are two walls and a a, a final, you know, chest treasure thing. Um, (laughs) And it looks i mean it's 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 a it it's a good it's competent in everything it does but there are so many things that are and maybe it's my love for blizzard talking but so different in so many ways from overwatch and in not in good ways first of all all of the characters from paladins are FPS, you know, shoot people in the face characters. There are small variations, but usually they're shoot people in the face and that's it. And you have like 7-9 characters and that's all they do. Um and and you have one that puts down a totem and one that puts down a shield and but it's very in, you know, it's it's very um uh, it's a side thing from the the main part of the game. And then you have things that I just don't really understand. The payloads go so fast. You're constantly trying, basically they go faster than your character runs. So I guess there's a gameplay reason for it, but so that, you know, you, you have to rush after it and try to destroy it before it reaches your wall and the enemies are, but then you have to go on your mounts all the time and it's weird. And the character design is. You have the guy in the giant in, in the small robot, and the, it's like we were talking about the penguin in my other show for Battleborn, and oh, you yeah. have the penguin character that was revealed at the PSX, and the penguin is like a penguin that's evil. So wouldn't it be funny if the penguin was actually cute and cuddly but mean? And it's so basic, and I understand the shtick, but and it's not like Overwatch has some incredibly deep and complex, you know, character psyches Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just it it's the the painstaking care that blizzard puts in all of their games it's not just overwatch whether you like the games or not it, it shows that they're they worry about every single little detail it does make overwatch i think different in gameplay and in design and in many ways and those other games they're great for people who like those types of games but i think Overwatch is going to appeal to different people because it's more, it's deeper and more involved in the same way that Hearthstone has appealed to more people than just card players because it was more accessible and the interface was better
1: and the, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you and I don't, well, Overwatch hit me in every way as something special. Everything I've seen from everybody else, even those who I haven't had a chance to play with, which obviously is where the real rubber meets the road. Just are not doing it for me in that same way. And I'm not. it's not to say that there isn't room for what's happening. It's just that Overwatch surprised me with it's not feeling like a shooter, but also feeling like a shooter all the time. And I don't even know how to explain the feeling I'm having with that game. It's not a MOBA, though. It's not exactly a pure shooter. It's some other thing. And I think that's enough for them to be a pretty unique point of light in an otherwise yeah, getting crowded again shooter market. Shooters are, are 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 making a shift. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but for a long time there, uh, from you know mid aughts till now, we've been pretty for the last ten years or so pretty mired in mostly military based shooters that are based on more realism. And, and yeah, I think people have noticed. Yeah, and then, yeah, you may have noticed a few of those, <laughs> but you may notice right now a big upsurgence in let's go stylized, let's be a little goofy, let's go a little crazy with weapon types and the, the effects and how they work and. How you can jump and you know, getting away from the abject the realism. Even the bastions of realism, like Call of Duty, have decided to go future war tech, which makes them quite unrealistic. You know, they may be future realistic based on what we think the future might be, but it's not the same.
0: Yeah, it's not the gritty and, war movie type of thing anymore.
1: Yeah, and I'm thrilled, personally, that we're making a swing back towards sort of the Quake and Unreal style world that I used to love in shooters. So Yeah. I, no matter what, when no matter what people are making, I say bring it, we could use more, and it's all good. For sure.
0: And uh but yeah, I, I guess for Overwatch I'm getting the same tingly feeling that I was getting for Hearthstone when I first got to play it in the company Alpha. And I I don't know if that's gonna translate into the, the public when the uh release actually happens, but uh it's it's for me, it's rare that I get that kind of feeling for a game.
1: And uh, I'm excited.
0: Anyway, uh, you know what else I'm excited for?
1: Uh, hold on. The, um, uh, the, the, the giant wine and cheese convention is coming to town finally. You guys are going to finally get your wine and cheese on. No,
0: I'm, I'm excited for that as well. But, <laughs> however, um, Akuma... Uh, Is coming to Tekken 7. That was a reveal a couple of days ago, and uh, we're still not getting Tekken versus uh, Tekken X cross versus Street Fighter, but there's one Street Fighter character coming to Tekken 7. All right, fine, whatever. No one cares. I like Tekken. I just wanted to mention it.
1: uh, Do you feel like it's a concession for not doing that crossover?
0: I think uh, Yoshiori Ono and uh, Katsuhiro Harada, who are the producers for both games, have been very chummy lately. And Maybe yeah, maybe that's that. But I think it might also be the fact that they really enjoy each other's company and they see it as a cross promotion type of thing to an extent and mm-hmm. uh, a, a way of raising interest in Tekken. Because honestly, let's let's be clear: it's the 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 popularity of Tekken is nowhere near where it was before, and it's hasn't swung back in the way that uh, Street Fighter has. So yeah, I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, who knows?
1: I just think it's funny because since that never happened, this feels like maybe a little bit of a...
0: Well, Tekken uh, has had a history of integrating other games uh, or franchises' characters in the past, so it's not, you know, that incredible for Tekken.
1: but It's uh, not unheard of, you might say. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, do you remember Gone? Were you playing Tekken 3 where Gone was in there? The little right. dinosaur dude?
1: <laughs> I do remember that.
0: It was so annoying. It was swirling <laughs> around with his tail
1: going in your feet oh those are some fun times in Tekken though <laughs> you know like weird like bears and polar bears and just yeah. such a weird time in that game. Uh, as much as
0: I'm looking forward to Tekken 7 coming to PlayStation I don't think it's going to be quite that the return of that period
1: so. probably not I mean if, I don't know it's it's almost like um it's like where RTSs are right now a little bit fighting games are what uh, they, they- I don't know. Street Fighter.
0: Street Fighter Four has managed to bring it back to the forefront of people, or you know, gamers who are into fighting games have come back with Street Fighter Four, and I think Street Fighter Five might increase that uh, that popularity again, but um, n- not where it was, you know, in the nineties. But
1: um, no, no, but they've done it. But to me, it feels like the Street Fighter. Okay, Capcom is the Blizzard okay Capcom is to fighting games what Blizzard is to RTSs they're the only company that could come along in 2010 and say new Starcraft take the world by storm otherwise nobody really cares about RTSs right now yeah yeah no you're right you're right and I feel like that's them for fighting games which is good I hope they never stop I mean we need that kind of thing for genres that don't have the same fervor they they once had I mean there'll be a day yeah. I don't know when it'll be but one day you know we'll look at MOBAs as they are today and go those are dumb We got oh, this. they day can't come comb. soon enough <laughs> <laughs> i see how you feel <laughs> um I,
0: I don't know i uh, heroes i play it from time to time i as i was saying i'm, I'm enjoying abathur because you know i can Great. be the abathur hat on people i'm not playing so do i have to play abathur himself as well in order to be good or can i just par- park myself somewhere and switch from from uh someone else you know from other people in my team and and help his whole
1: way. his whole strength is that he well there's a few ways to play abathur but the most the way the way that most people play him is as a hatting character or he's directly augmenting another player so almost think of it as like almost two people controlling a character so he may right th- right for right. all and then suddenly throw super powerful so he's more like this weird augmentation character and less of a direct well he'll never direct like you don't ever want to go toe-to-toe with anyone if well, they find
0: that's you, what i mean i I shouldn't be controlling Abathur, you know, switching from Abathur to the hat to Abathur and doing things and, you know, controlling his little lane pusher little things at the same time. Or
1: <laughs> Right. You can do yeah, all I those can... things at the same time, um, but that's the thing that you just, over time, you'll get better at, like, sort of managing it because right. he's Vero yeah. micromanaging. And okay. it's great because he's a very specific style and I'm glad the game supports. It's not for me because I am terrible at that, at the micro, but I'd rather go, you know, give me a sword, give me a whatever and let me go in. But having an Abathur on my head is often the difference between life and death. So I don't want you or your people to ever go away.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, You know what has gone away but is coming back? It's System Shock. System Shock 3 was basically leaked to Oblivion. The official announcement hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, System Shock was a, a... what was it, an, an RPG, first-person action RPG thing from 1984, the first one. And if you don't remember how long ago 1984 was, it was before there was Windows 95.
1: <laughs> well, I like to think of it is it when Temple of Doom came out, but maybe maybe that year
0: way is better. I don't you know, know. I, the, the reason I'm saying this is that Windows 95 was when PCs became, like, real computers and people will fight me on this, but devel- developing a game before Windows 90, 9- actually even after Windows 95, it was a nightmare on PC. But uh, anyway, it's a, it's a point in time that I, I usually reference. Um, System Shock 2 was 99. I sort of missed that whole thing. So I'm not really getting the big deal for, for system, system Shock 3. It was, you know, developed by uh, Ken Levine who, to whom we owe um, the, uh, uh, the, the Bioshock. <laughs>
1: BioShock Game Joe.
0: yeah, um, and I think the second one was Ken Levine. The first one was uh, Warren Spector, and it was basically Origin Systems, which is another legendary company. Um, but System Shock has left the uh, hands of Ken Levine uh, at that now. Nowadays, it's someone completely different that has it.
1: Okay, it's apparently well, it a big deal for people. Tried to have it for a while because BioShock yeah. came out of his desire to keep making. A system shock like game exactly and, you, you might system-
0: notice the similarity in the
1: name there yeah the name alone might give it away but the but they are also very similar not necessarily thematically it's one of the things bioshock did really well is create uh atmosphere and things that we hadn't really seen before but their structures oh, are very tapes, similar man yeah amazing right um what was his name ryan whatever his name was anyway mm-hmm. doesn't matter underwater guy <laughs> um, <laughs> that, But that's I'm, his name yeah underwater guy i really like those games a lot and i like. System Shock okay, but System Shock came out, System Shock 2 specifically came out at a time where I didn't really care for what I perceived to be an overly complicated game. Um, I I look back on that now and I just think I was being kind of a wuss and I was more interested in just shoot, shoot, boom, boom, you know, Quake-style action or whatever. And to me, those games represented a a separation from that and I didn't like that. Um, I think I would have liked System Shock better with with the gaming tendencies i have now um so so the idea of a new system shot game is exciting me from exciting to me from the perspective of well now i can properly play a system shot game um but as far yeah. as like having any devotion to the series I, I guess i don't have the same that everyone else has
0: yeah same here i'm interested i i was living in Japan at the time so it, it really wasn't uh i was more into consoles and and um and uh arcade i would spend a lot of time in arcade uh in our ar- in famous arcades in in japan and tokyo and uh, but yeah anyway well i'll check it out i mean i i i loved uh, bioshock so
1: yeah great game
0: um a bunch of uh, small quick uh hardware news uh valve and uh, htc are delaying the launch of their uh htc vive to april 2016 um so yeah not big surprise but uh 2015 is barely gonna see any uh there were supposed to be some uh, developer kits available in 2015 and uh, none of them are going to be available it's all 2016 now wow and um now even more interesting than that, uh, Nintendo has applied for a patent where how can I even describe this uh, you 've probably seen the pictures basically it 's a controller where the entire front face is a screen it has two um, control two little joysticks coming out of it, but everything else is a touch screen and this is kind of interesting because it uh, relates to another piece of news we've heard from last year, which was the fact that Nintendo is uh, is buying uh, variable screens that don't have a square, basically square or uh, different sizes that can be, f- they're usually used for dashboards and things like that. And um, those were supposed, we, we guessed, those were going to be for their quality of life uh, device That is, they're apparently developing as well. But maybe it's for a controller or a portable console or something with those weird shapes of screens. I, I still think it looks dumb, though.
1: <laughs> well, okay, but it's it's consistent with what Nintendo sometimes does, as they bring out the thing that looks super dumb, and sometimes they really hit with it, and sometimes it remains dumb. You know, you could argue the Wii U has remained a little bit dumb. No one's really using a lot dumb for anything. It's a lot dumb. Yeah, um that thing's hindered it more than it's helped it. However, this strikes me potentially not entirely, but potentially like any of these patents you see show up for like Apple's got a patent out there for. A space-time continuum machine, and it looks weird. And it's, it's. I think this stuff happens all the time, and these products rarely, percentage-wise, come to market. I think it's significant to notice anything they're putting up there. But I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't prototypey, and some of the technology is important to patent, but maybe not at all what a final thing might look like. So, yeah, we'll
0: I think, yeah, I, I think the reason I'm giving it a little bit more credence is that uh, I think it's Sharp that does those uh weird shaped LCDs and that they were in talks to apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if they're gonna do a, a touch screen thing, then they do need to have the little joysticks, and then maybe the buttons can be rearranged in different ways, and, and maybe there's some kind of uh haptic feedback that makes you feel like they're actual buttons. I, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, the, the, you know, E3 will come soon enough and they'll probably unveil the NX there. So, yeah, true. Um, finally, last incredibly important piece of news uh, the loading screen minigame patent has expired at last. I don't uh, know if you were hey. a
1: PlayStation gamer in the 90s.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You were? Oh, yeah. Um. Oh, so you yeah, I bought a PS One day one. Had to take it back later that afternoon because the disc, uh, the drive broke. <laughs> got another one. Took it home. Played Resident Evil there. Played Silent Hill there. Took that thing everywhere I went. Dude, PlayStation One and me, we got along good.
0: I bought my PlayStation One from Japan, an import. It was so expensive. It what? was ridiculous.
1: I thought you were. well, Wait, you weren't there then, though.
0: Oh no, no, in no. There. That was '95. I was in Japan from '99.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. I would, I had it. Um, we got it. So the States didn't get it until it was either late fall 95 or I don't remember. Maybe it was the, Mm -hmm. it may have been holiday 96 that we got it, but whenever that was, I went out there, waited in line, got on local news about waiting in line. Oh (laughs) oh, yeah. It was a big, it was a big deal at the time and, um, played the living crap out of that machine. Loved Mm -hmm. it.
0: Well, uh, one of the launch titles was Ridge Racer, and uh, Namco put in a version of uh, Galaxian, which was an arcade, an old arcade game um, uh, from their stable. Uh, So they put a version of Galaxian into the loading screen. Uh, The loading was a little bit long for Ridge Racer, the initial one. And uh, actually, I remember if you beat Galaxian in that loading screen, you would get a special car or something like that. I Um, remember that and and they had that uh patented so it probably wouldn't hold in court anyway but they no one else could use a mini game for a loading screen anymore that was a tragedy now of course no one cares because loading screens aren't so big a deal anymore although <laughs> i hear in some games <clears throat> fallout 4 <laughs>
1: yeah fallout 4 is pretty long on um, console terrible. pc's not bad though yeah
0: yeah but uh but you know when they're loading you can just put out your your smartphone and play on that but um, yeah.
1: it's like they held the patent just long enough for technology to s- to stop sucking on- <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like a waste of money because like who would play a full game of galaga in a fast loading game like it's yeah dumb.
0: No. what what uh, finally technology has stopped sucking <laughs> we're there we're arrived.
1: Uh, everyone quit worrying it's good we're all good <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, that, uh, that was just a little tidbit from my childhood. I, or, well, from a long time ago, I was already a full-grown man. Maybe not mm. full-grown. Somewhat-grown man at that time. I'm still not are so. you're, you're still not grown?
1: I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm 6'4", and that may seem full-grown. But mentally, I still feel like I'm stunted a little bit. Aren't we
0: all? Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for being on the show, Scott. Why don't you tell the lovely people listening where they can find more of the Scott?
1: Well, as part of our tradition on podcasts, we like to tell everybody what we're doing outside of our guest appearances here, and I'll do that now. So here's what I'm doing. Um, you mentioned the Boop Show earlier. I would, I would recommend people check it out. It is at frogpants.com slash boop, B-O-O-P. Uh, I do a lot of some of the stuff that Patrick does, but mostly focused on the news. Uh, if you like it, uh, let me know. Give me your feedback. And um, there's something else going on that I do a lot now, which is live streaming, uh, gaming every day, and I call it four o'clock, Scott, every day Monday through Thursday at four p.m. Mountain Time. I don't know what that is in France, uh, but I you're all asleep, I think. Then, but um, no, 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 no.
0: It's it's wait. It's uh, it's uh, eight four hours before now, which means it's uh, no, it's not. Wait, what time is it for you now?
1: <laughs> it's right now twelve seventeen p.m.
0: So in about four hours so yeah. it's midnight
1: oh it's in midnight places. oh it's not you're all you're up till three so you can yeah yeah but anyway i play video games a lot of times it's uh, stuff that the community has requested sometimes it's just stuff i'm into right now i'm going to going through some old catalog stuff that i haven't touched in a long time trying to finish wolf among us which is fan freaking tastic um part of what spawned that on is me having not finished it also the uh game awards announcement that they are working on a batman game and that michonne game got me just craving a little bit of Telltale's sauce. So I'm, I'm kind of wrong bad. with that. No, I love those games. So anyway, uh, that among many other things. And then Saturdays, we have a big three hour stream call experience points uh, where myself and John Jagger record. If you want to know more about all of that, just go to frogpants.com slash Twitch and you'll find it all.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. My, uh, my, my, Nickname is not Patrick. I didn't remember the name for a second there. Uh, <laughs> it's not Patrick. And you can find me on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook. And you can find the show at Frenchspin.com. You'll also find another show there called The Phileas Club, where we get together and discuss the news from the world with people from different parts of the world. And uh, we try to give you the vision, the view, and the uh, cultural bias that we all have, but from different places. So we're all on relatively equal footing Uh, we also have a lot of fun there even though we do talk about serious topics so you can go check that out at frenchspin.com as well thank you so much for listening we'll be back hopefully in a couple of weeks uh, although it's the middle of the holiday period so we'll see but uh, we'll be back at some point and we'll talk to you then bye everyone
1: bye Johnny on the click. That was fast. Well, you said ready. I don't know. I'm just, I, It was awesome. It was like, whoa, <laughs> that's because he's a efficient uh, operator. That is
0: uh, the name of my, uh, of my Cindy Lauper cover
1: band in high school. That was pretty good. You played bass for them or what'd you do there? in That band?
0: Uh for efficient operator. Yeah.
1: Well, I was the only member,
0: so I did everything. <laughs>